Welcome everyone to another episode of the Good Milf Podcast. Good Milf Podcast with your host Krista. It's fucking wild. Hello, beautiful people. It is officially spooky season, and I apologize for my month-long absence, but honestly, October is the perfect time to make my reappearance. I love Halloween. I love the mystical, scary movies, um, spooky movies. I mean, it's just so fun. I love doing shit like going to haunted houses, tarot reading, psychics, mediums. Um, I'm definitely going to have a lot of spooky stories this month, and I'm going to share fun facts and theories around the supernatural, and I am going to tie in science and dating and love and just like the sexual anthropology of everything I talk about um, because I absolutely adore it. But anyways, before we get started with today's episode about power and control, I do want to formally apologize for being MIA. I feel like I've done this like every episode. I don't know. I'm so sorry. But my baby is back. Excuse me, my big girl. She came back after spending the summer with her father and her grandparents. She's a whole new human. It's been so fun discovering things with her. She can have an actual conversation now because I mean, get real. A baby that can't talk gets a little boring on long car rides. Just saying. You know what I mean if you've ever had a baby in a car on a long car ride. And hello, you get to figure out what's going on in those tiny, magnificent little minds. I mean, most of the time, our conversations are about nothing significant. But I forget that, um, you know, kids are essentially learning everything for the first time. So that's actually really cool. Um, They're just receiving information a 100 times a day. Um, It's just been amazing. All right, so back to Halloween, originally called All Saints Day, which I'll actually like to celebrate all month long. October 1st, I put my little candy dish on my apartment thing on by my door so anyone that walks by can get free candy. I fucking love it. It's one of my favorite things I do. Also, when I was little, I always secretly wanted to be a witch, a good witch, of course, um, or a mermaid. My two obsessions when I was little. But anyways, I'm going to go, I'm going to start talking about this tarot reading I received at the Canham's Bar um, I went to, which is on Virginia Beach Boulevard. It's called Queen's Green Apothecary. It's a Canham's Bar. I don't know how else to explain it. You can smoke your weed in there and they sell weed, but it's a whole fucking vibe. It's a very interior, is very Alice in Wonderland. It's so dope. Um, But they have a witch there that does readings, and she's a medium. I guess the proper term would be tarot reader medium, but saying she's a witch is just sounds way fucking cool. Anyways, so she's telling me that in my past lives, I was a man. Yes, a fucking man, which is my why my masculine energy is so strong. Um, And this also makes sense to me as to why some of the men in my life do call me assertive, aggressive and why I do have a lot of male friends. So when you think of masculine energy, don't think of it as male man anatomically man or anatomically female. It's the same thing as yin and yang. So if you know anything about Asian culture, yin and yang is the same thing as masculine and female energy. Masculine energy has a lot to do with giving um, and action, and female energy has a lot to do with receiving and feeling. And everybody has both masculine and female energy. That's just school of thought. Anyways, 
but like I was saying, all this makes sense to me because um, the men that do not appreciate my strength and inner masculine have always used very vulgar words for assertive to try to label me, i.e. they've called me a bitch. Um, But you know what? I don't really give a shit. I don't blame people for their childhood traumas. I've come to accept them as they are. People will change when they want to. Anyways, to get back to my point, also, you know, I do have a few close girlfriends. I don't want to think, I don't want anyone to think I'm the fucking girl that's like, oh, I don't have any girlfriends. Because I do. I have a fucking bomb ass girl squad that I trust with my life and would do anything for. Um, But anyways, back to the past lives reading. So Lucy, my daughter in this life, was actually my little sister in a past life. I was like an older brother figure or actually her older brother, um, which I also find interesting because when I was looking up reincarnation, the school of thought is that your relatives and loved ones in your current life are also actually relatives and loved ones from your past lives, which is actually kind of insane because, I mean, if you think about, like, think about your best friend that you're not related to. This is some random stranger you met on a random day, and you were like, this person's cool as fuck, and you love them unconditionally, and you wished and treated them like your brother or sister. I mean, think about it that way. Totally makes sense. Or even if you're randomly close with an older relative, like an aunt or older cousin, and you know, when you were little, you daydreamed that they, you know, they were your mom, dad, sister, whatever. I mean, you didn't want to replace your parents or your current family members, uh, but in certain situations, you reach out to older non-parental figures, you know, for advice and celebrations, et cetera. You all know where I'm going with this. Anyways, well, in my past life, something happened with my little sister, aka my daughter in my current life, where she was extremely wronged by a man. The reading didn't really show how she was wronged. She mentioned some type of fire. Um, So I'm not sure how to interpret that. But the fact that my sister was wronged because of some man is exactly why I'm a super feminist. Um, I tell you what, it doesn't matter what fucking lifetime you're in, men ain't fucking shit. Well, okay, let me rephrase, because I 50% of you of my listeners are actually males. Not all of you ain't shit. I love most of you. But some of you, even females, need a lot of self-love and healing on your childhood traumas. And this is going back, I'm going to relay and connect all this with power and control later on in the episode, your minds are going to be blown. Okay. Um, another mystical event that happened to me, I got called the devil like a, like a week ago, which I thought was so fascinating. And I'll get more into that also when I talk about control and power in the main segment for this week. Um, but we're going to go ahead and get the commercial out of the way. And uh, please make sure to follow, subscribe, rate, review the Good Milf podcast so that more podcast lovers discover how hilarious I am and how insightful I am. And honestly, I really just want to help people. So thank you. And here's a commercial. All right. It's just been really great to have my little mini me back, my daughter in this life. And if past lives and reincarnation are real, she is my little sister from a past life. Um, But she's been back and it's just been so fucking cool um, to have her around. But let's get real. So when I need a break from that bitch, 
I've been actually binge watching Wife Swap, which is on Hulu right now. And it has always been everything. Well, Wife Swap and 90 Day Fiance are my guilty pleasure trash TV. Honestly, I wouldn't really call it trash. I would call it fucking treasure. But if you've never heard of Wife Swap, it's essentially when two families and the lifestyle of those families are normally complete opposites. So the two families, they'll switch the moms or they'll switch the dads. They'll switch some kind of parental unit into... Uh, they actually should have called this fucking show Parent Trap. That would have made way more fucking sense to me. Anyways, I love these shows because it literally shows real-time examples of different types of attachment, relationship style type issues. Um, and honestly, instead of calling it my guilty pleasure, I'm going to just start calling it my research. Um, so why swap two families? A lot of the times it's very strict parenting styles versus a more relaxed parenting style or like sports families versus pageant families, you know, and so forth, so forth, so on. It's extremely fascinating to watch just to see the different dynamics and how the interactions go with the swapped parent. But my point of mentioning this was when those family dynamics and expectations are a little too extreme. Um, they end up being toxic, very similar to a cult. You get sucked in, and yes, duh, cults are a type of toxic relationship. And a lot of the times, toxic relationships come from the need for power and control in a situation. Um, like, hello, cults, same thing, you know, and drink the Kool-Aid type cult. Like, no thanks, gems, gems. What the fuck? I meant Jim Jones, the leader of that cult. Um, Zeke mentioned in the last episode, we were talking about cults, and he did actually mention that saying drink the Kool-Aid isn't actually accurate because it wasn't actually Kool-Aid. He It was flavor-aid, so it was the cheap version. So another reason not to join a cult or entertain toxic relationships, why can't they splurge on nice shit? I mean, they steal your sanity, your worth, all your money, I'd be so fucking pissed. I'm about to kill myself for this motherfucker and he's only giving me generic brand beverage to quench my thirst. Anyways, but that is actually a true story. If you did not know, Google it later. Jim Jones, um, cult leader, whatever. Google Jim Jones, piece of shit. I don't fucking know, but it is a true story. Um, it's the Jonestown massacre and about his um, American cult murder-suicide and it happened in the late 70s. Anyways, back to Wife Swap. And true crime alert. Did you know that one of the kids from the show actually murdered his mom and brother? And then he did try to unalive himself. Wild. I want you guys to reflect and really think of what kind of family do you think he came from? Somewhere where a family where power and control is very significant in their day-to-day? -day? Or, you know... Power and control is autonomous and belongs to the child. Well, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you. He came from a very extremely strict home. Um, they were a very devout and extreme religious family. I'm not going to go in the type of religion they were part of because I think any kind of spirituality, when you bring, a, bring up extremism and you force power and control onto other people, even if it is your family members, um, that is a very slippery slope. Um, I tried to find the episode on Hulu, but I think they took it down because of the murder, which would make sense. I mean, essentially, that's kind of like fucking evidence. 
Um, but the mom had a very strict schedule for the kids, basically from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. They were homeschooled. They were living off the grid. Um, the parents stated that it was so that outside influences, such as the devil, wouldn't overtake their children. Um, I mean, the kids thought they would burn in hell for cursing. So I don't know. If you want to learn more about this, Google the Stockdale family murders. I tried to research if there was an actual motive because this is all going on in court right now. This is like a two-year bit long thing that's been going on. Um, but none have been made public if there is a motive. But if you watch the episode, you can see the very values and the home dynamics are very culty, very much a power thing, very much a control thing. Um, also, the kids weren't allowed to date either. Their oldest boy was 19. He did live at home, and they wouldn't let him date. Um, it gave me very arranged marriage type vibes. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, like, what the fuck is the point of dating anyways? And I feel most would say it would be to find your match so you can get married. I mean, if marriage is your thing, cool. But marriage is a social construct. I just want to put that out there. But I've been there and I've done that. And while my marriage crashed and burned, um, I've actually had several years to reflect on my marriage. And honestly, I can really say genuinely, um, I never really felt different from when I was actually married from when we were dating. So you can take that as a good thing or bad thing. Um, we did live together before we were married. And maybe that was a red flag or an issue. I have no clue. You know what? We actually moved in together two weeks of knowing each other. I mean, it was a cute, stereotypical love at first sight story. Uh, when I think of the last few years of my marriage, I think of that chapter of my life as so fucking tragic. Fast forward two years later, I feel like I essentially walked through fire and I did a backflip out of the ashes. So I really don't see the hype. I could be bitter. Um, maybe I just haven't found the one. Um, but if you're married or you're getting married, do your thing. I would never judge you and I would never disrespect, you know, that um, thing you got going on. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get married again. But I would find if I found someone that could be a life partner and I didn't have to have any contractual obligations. I don't think I'd be opposed. Um, I would definitely have a party or some type of ceremony. So that's not out of the question. Um, oh, my little light bulb just went off. Okay. It was actually a big light bulb. Anyways. So if we're speaking biologically, the point of quote unquote dating, I'm using the term dating and doing air quotes right now. Um, the point of dating in the animal kingdom would be the same as finding an ideal mate for strong and smart offspring. I mean, we are animals. Uh, essentially, we are one of our main things is to create offspring, create children and keep reproducing and to also find the physiological ideal match. So I found some scientific articles about, you know, like, when you see your ideal match, it's going to be based off looks first. And that is, there's actually science behind that. So the woman's hip to waist ratio is scientifically correlated with general health and fertility. Hence the appeal of like Kim Kardashian and the ever popular BBL surgery, the Brazilian booty lift. 
So, or in terms of female looking for ideal male traits, I'll use myself an example. I knew I was going to marry and procreate with a man with physical characteristics that I associated with strength. Because as a petite woman, this is one of my biggest weaknesses is actual physical strength. Um, Hello, remember my number one fear. I'm not going to put that out there right now. But if you want to know my number one fear, I fucking talk about it in every other fucking episode. But yes, it was intentional for me to that I was going to marry and procreate with a man that was built like a linebacker. Oh, that sounds really bad. So you know how people used to call women gold diggers for marrying for money. I wonder what you would call a woman that marries for ideal physical genetic traits, like a DNA digger, gene digger, survival of the fittest, smart as fuck and clever. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that wasn't the only reason I married him, but that was definitely the tiebreaker. I'm not even kidding. Oh, and another wild thing. The beautiful soul that did my tarot reading for me told me that I was going to make my family my own way. Essentially, I like to go against the traditional norms. So that was fucking wild because she knew nothing about me. And that was like literally one of the first things she said. Wild. Um, But let me make this more than just about appearance and physical traits. Um, Another reason I chose him was that he was so fucking funny. I will give that to my ex-husband. He is fucking hilarious. The reason why this was important for me, because at the end of the day, when we are full of wisdom as senior citizens, laughter is what will keep your heart and life alive. Um, But it also makes sense to look at other personality traits, um, because if you don't, you'll realize the only reason you liked his humor was because clowns love other fucking clowns. Yep. Um, But we all know, essentially, we sniff out a good genetic match in order for our potential offspring to survive and thrive on the fucked up planet that is called Earth. And a lot of animals do this. It's the pheromones, right? Um, Plenty of animals sniff out their pheromones. And you know what I was looking up? I don't know how I go, you know, you go on Google and you go into a fucking rabbit hole. I got into some rabbit hole where animals even kill their mates after they have sex, you know, like the Black Widow, the Praying Mantis. Um, So I always thought, this is a funny story, I always thought that the Black Widow spiders were stupid because why would you keep trying to fuck a female Black Widow spider? Like, does anyone know if spiders can communicate with each other because, or they have friends and they can warn each other like, oh my God, Billy, don't go to Charlotte's Web. It's a fucking trick. And then, you know, they just slowly die out because of evolution. But I read they won't because of something to do with genetic traits and survival. So essentially, I tried to research more about the reasoning behind killing why spiders or any kind of animal would kill the partner they're procreating with. And I really couldn't find any real legit explanations. It literally just stated um, basically in a lack, I'm just going to do it how I would relay this information. Homeboy will basically move into um, Charlotte's Black Widow Web, break it down a little bit, then help her rebuild her house. After she gets pregnant, if she's hungry and she thinks she could take on the male spider, She would go for it and she would fucking eat him after she got pregnant. Fucking wild. But my point is, is that 
that was the only explanation for the female spider. The male black widow spider had a full-on explanation for why he will, they don't care. Okay, let me just tell the fucking explanation. So a black middle, black male widow spider knows he may die if he, you know, tries to make baby black widow spiders with the female. But he is more concerned with his DNA traits. And like basically he thinks and feels they are superior. So he will take that chance of death just so that his little spider legacy lives on in nature. I thought that was insane. So I'm going to translate this to the human world and we're going to talk about personality archetypes. Um, you know what I'm saying. It's the very quintessential alpha person or alpha male, alpha female. There's beta, sigma, delta, or omega. I actually only thought there was three, you know, like alpha, beta, sigma. Um, but, you know, after researching, duh, learning so much, knowledge, going over the personality traits and characteristics, I've actually dated every one of these fucking guys. Um, personality archetypes. It's, oh my gosh. So we're just going to go to the first one. Alpha. Duh, alpha, very well known in the animal kingdom. It describes the top of the pack. Um, everyone knows this guy or girl. Um, but I do think there is a spectrum of alpha. So there is a healthy alpha and then there is a toxic alpha. Um, alpha in the animal kingdom is the top of the hierarchy. Remember what I said earlier, top of the pack. But... You have to be dominant without being aggressive or domineering. Like, duh, like who wants to have a controlling motherfucker in their lives or in their friend group, you know? And I guess the easiest analogy for the ideal alpha male, a true alpha male would be the one, I'm going to do a high school analogy. This is the easiest way for me to do this because we all went to high school the ideal alpha male would basically be the football player that w helps win the homecoming game, catches that fucking interception, makes the touchdown, but he also stands up to the bully. You know, and on the other side, the toxic alpha, there's definitely a visual and emotional chemical imbalance between the brain and the balls of the toxic alpha. Um, I also found that in my experience, toxic alphas, well, toxic masculinity, um, same difference. They are very resistant to non-stereotypical um, gender roles in relationships. Same thing on wife swap. I found it interesting when they highlighted the gender role reversal and the different power dynamics that plays in those relationships. What I'm talking about is matriarchal versus patriarchal. Um, in some of the episodes when the women make more money than the man or she's in a position of power um, and she goes into a household where the man, the father, is the power that be and is the end-all be-all of the family, those conversations that happen or don't happen are very interesting. And according to one study done by Penn State, um, the iconic alpha male, toxic, masculine, bad boy appeal is actually on the decline. And um, those misogynists need to roll out the red carpet for who's next, which is actually the beta male. All right. So now take special attention to the beta male and this person because they are having a glow up. Stereotypically, 
the beta male is the nerd. I'm going to use more high school analogies. This is the easiest way to relay information for me. The nerd or some version of an introverted man. So think Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates. But do you want to know why these men are taking over the alpha male territory? I'm going to tell you. Because women, according to the study, women are seeing that they are helping further equality of other females. So you need to look for the men that are not misogynistic, that stand up for equality, that are essentially feminist. These are the, in the study done by Penn State, these men are coming up. And you can see it in movies, books, the news, everything. Um, But yeah, women are taking notice and they are seeing that the beta males are helping further equality of females, the LGBTQ plus community and the ever popular. They're very kind and respectful. And also I'm going to bring it back to evolution and why alphas are going out of style. So throughout history, because of patriarchy, males had to be the alpha of the animal kingdom in order to attain basic and necessary resources for survival. Um, So think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So Maslow's hierarchy, it's a triangle of needs. Google it later. So there's safety at the bottom and physiological needs like food and shelter. So in order to achieve those levels in the game of life, you had to be aggressive. You had to be the aggressive alpha in order to survive, to make sure your family had shelter and food. But it's not like that anymore. Money is the thing. That's why money can buy you all of your safety and physiological needs. So as women, we are making more money now. We can provide for ourselves. So we don't need to worry about shelter and food. We can provide that for ourselves. We don't need an an aggressive energy to fight for us on those basic needs because we can buy them. It's not that serious. Um, So the next level up, after physiological needs of shelter and food is love and belonging. And this represents the connections and relationships that we have and the respect that we give and receive. So women are not putting up with toxic masculinity and disrespect anymore, not in their love lives, not in their work lives, and definitely not in their village where their children are going to be raised. Um, So back to the beta male. The trends are definitely showing, economics-wise, I'm going back to science and economics and trends. They are showing an affinity towards this beta male archetype. I mean, back to the movies and TV shows. As of lately, I've felt that the stereotypical toxic alpha is going, you can see it, they're the villain. And the good guys are becoming smarter. They're becoming more in touch with their feminine energy, their yang. Um, A perfect example of this, oh my gosh, is the movie How to Train Your Dragon. The main character, the kid, is a beta male and he's in a Viking society. If you've ever seen the show Vikings or Last Kingdom, Vikings are hella fucking alpha. You know those men are fucking hot and sexy and it's like so primal. But in the movie How to Train Your Dragon, the beta male and he ends up saving their society through different things that are inherently not toxic. So how to train your dragon, which actually kind of sounds ironic because when I think of dragon, I think of Cisco 
and unleash the dragon. And I feel, think of dicks. So maybe that has something to do with it. Unleash your dragon. Unleash your dick energy and get over it. So beta males, if you're listening, do not fret. Your time has arrived. Also, research these other archetypes later, please, um, and be cognizant when you're researching to utilize non-biased information. So when it comes to sexual anthropology and reading about dating, love, life, relationships, sometimes it's written from a male lens versus a female lens. And when I was doing my research on the archetypes, this was very obvious when I read different articles and um I mean, take a look at the author, do a little research. And this goes for anything that you read online. Find out, like, who's fucking publishing it, who the author is, what they stand for. Like, that's so important to realize what lens something is written in, all right? Because we all have personal biases. No matter what we do, even if you think you don't, you subconsciously do. I'm just going to put that out there. If you have no idea what I'm talking about or you think I'm fucking crazy, you need to check your childhood trauma because all of this is intertwined. Wild. Same thing with who you're trying to attract. If, again, whoever you are trying to attract, pay attention to who you are getting your advice and what lens it's originating from. Like, maybe you want to be the super toxic alpha male. I don't know why. But your business is your business. Just don't come near me or my people because we don't do toxic energy. But pay attention to who is giving your advice. Think, look at the life they lead. Should you be taking advice from them? There's your answer when you're asking for advice. Anyways. Uh, da, 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 da. So we did alpha, beta for the archetypes. There's also omega, sigma, gamma, delta. Um, what I did conclude was essentially these types of men are all variations of the alpha and beta. Um, something that I did find semi-interesting and neutral is that the omega archetype is the fun, cool guy, but non-aspirational in terms of social norms. So family, marriage, job. There was a lot of negative undertones when I read about the omega male, but I think that guy is literally content in living his best life. And as long as he isn't hurting anyone and doing what he wants to do, um, it's okay. I mean, we all know this person. He's kind of just someone that's just skating through life. And some people may call him like a loser or whatever. But I mean, I just feel like if people are genuinely not hurting anyone and living, you know, let them be. Um, the Sigma male is actually the anti-alpha. So think Elon Musk. He's the lone wolf. Usually he's single or unhappy in a relationship, and he doesn't have the energy or will to put in effort, basically. Gamma, this is the super romantic. So if you love being the main female character in a romance novel, you need to find yourself a Gamma. And lastly, Delta. Well, Delta isn't really an archetype. Um, what I was reading is that the you are intuitively are a Delta. The Delta is birthed through an experience. So some kind of trauma has happened to this person. They can't trust or open up. Normally bitter and self-sabotages. So I'm assuming the unhealthy versions of any of these archetypes will manifest into some extreme toxic version of their personality. And more or less, it usually has to do with some type of emotional trauma or childhood trauma. 
I do want to clarify, if you are experiencing a toxic relationship, you need to remove yourself from that situation. I just want to put that out there just because we're diving deep into why. Do not stay in that situation just because you can empathize and feel for them. And if the person that is toxic doesn't heal themselves, it is literally a downward spiral. Just saying. I just wanted to put that out there really fast. And I mean, essentially, this is pretty much leading up to our main segment, so I might as well get here. Um, I actually do have a lot of notable experiences based around these personality types, but I'm going to save them as we go on with spooky season because I think it's perfect. Uh, For me, I feel the reason that toxic relationships happen is because of the need for power and control in a relationship, and I do feel that stems from some kind of trauma. I mean, if you look at the Gabby Petito body cam footage, if that footage didn't make you feel uneasy, you really need to reflect on why that is. Literally, as I watched that body cam footage of Brian and Gabby, I guess like the cop was there. That's when they first like were made to separate. My stomach was in knots. Like I felt so nauseous and sick because the footage shows him displaying behaviors that are narcissistic. I'm not a licensed medical professional. I can't diagnose narcissistic behavior. That video literally reads like a textbook. It's insane. And you know what? Honestly, if you're like being with a narcissist is like being in a cult, but you're the only follower and the abusive partner is the cult leader. I mean, I don't want to say leader, but you know what I mean? You get my point. So um, let's actually lighten up this episode a little bit. Um, you know what? Let me I'll tell you a fun little story. I actually did the love the vibe of this one match I had. He was a total Omega, the very lone wolf vibe. He was so badass. And I felt like I did have to ke- catch his attention somehow. And I invited him to come with me to get my nipples re-pierced after I had stopped breastfeeding. Um, I knew as soon as we matched, I was going to have sex with him. And I didn't want anyone near my nipples or my boobs. But anyways... That's kind of like why I got them pierced because I knew I was going to fuck him and I didn't want him near my breasts. I did make him buy a whole pizza for us and I ate the whole thing except for one slice, which he ate. Fucking nerd. Um, He did say he was surprised that I ate that much food. I was like, okay, be faster next time, homie. Your girl's hungry. Um, But fuck apps. Honestly, if I go back on Tinder or Hinge, it's definitely because I'm going to try and recruit a kickball team. So if you're in the area and you want to join my kickball team, holler at me. Anyways, back to spooky season. So I know I was going to release an episode um, this past Monday. I had planned that. I had posted it on my um, Instagram. But I got a little, when I was researching for this episode, I actually stumbled upon numerology and decided that today, Sunday, was a good episode to post this specific episode that I'm doing. Um, So back to astrology and numerology, Um, October 6th, last week, Wednesday, the new moon appeared at sunrise. And according to the mystical world, it is very magical. And um, the spirit guides on Google, they told me the new moon appeared in Libra. Let me backtrack a little bit. Okay. So the enchantment about the new moon is that it was used by healers, shamans, medicine women, medicine men. And witches in order to manifest fresh starts, new beginnings, beauty, health, 
personal improvement, basically new everything. So if you need a clean slate, the new moon last Wednesday was actually the day to start with your intention and action. It's never too late. You can manifest whenever you want. Um, But that day, I guess, was essentially more powerful for your manifestations. Um, I did wake up on that day and spoke into existence my manifestations and intentions of balance, uh, my relationships, friendships, beauty, and emotional growth. And the reasoning behind that was because the Google spirit guide told me that Libra is about balance, duh, their symbol is a scale, Um, harmony, peace, fairness, you know, whatnot. So that's what I was manifesting. You can essentially manifest whatever you want, but I almost feel it's a little disrespectful to manifest material possessions and money in the specific context that I was doing. I mean, do whatever you want to do. Um, For me, manifesting money or power brings associations of greed and control. And I only really wanted positive associations for um, this new moon. So that's what I did. Um, Also, through my mystical research, I found out that Mercury is in retrograde. I never really understood this until now when I was researching it for my Spooky Seasons um, episodes. So Mercury is in retrograde and Mercury has to deal with communication, um, short distance travel, which I thought was oddly specific. Um, And we already talked about how the scales are diplomatic and fair. Uh, Mercury is also the planet of uh, communication. So Mercury retrogrades means the planet Mercury is actually moving backwards out in the solar system, which creates chaos in communication. So any communication, so that's listening, speaking, learning, reading, editing, researching, negotiating, selling, buying, any type of communication, there's going to be chaos. But anywhere information is being transferred, um, secrets come out, there might be arguments, um, stuff to do with transportation, I guess. I don't know. I feel like the transportation is very, like, oddly specific to this astrological explanation. Anyways, but I've had so many friends have issues with their romantic partners recently. Literally, there have been breakups, fights, um... And these are people that have been with their partners for more than five years. Some were short, some were long, like literally everyone is breaking up. And it's wild because I don't know why, but I've always been the person that everyone comes to with their problems. I can meet a fucking stranger at the airport and they will literally tell me what's wrong with them. I have no idea why this happens, you know, but I'm a good listener and I am very compassionate, you know, so there. Um, Also, that's probably why my head is so big. It's full of fucking secrets. But I wanted to point out um, other secrets that have come out recently. Hello, the Facebook adage, and most importantly, why? Remember the whistleblower. Seriously, do I have to spell it out for you? Everyone, secrets, the secrets coming out, the communication, the chaos, wild ass coincidence, or Mercury in retrograde? We have no idea. Take it for what you want. Um, I did Google the phenomenon of Mercury retrograde about it, um, if the planet really did go backwards. In reality, it is actually an illusion. The planet Mercury slows down enough during certain times of the year, and it appears Mercury is going backwards. So it's essentially just an illusion, um, which actually fits the theme of secret versus reality and like truth coming out. Whoa. Anyways. Also, hello, they think they found the Zodiac Killer's identity. 
he's alleged like the identity of the Zodiac killer has been discovered. Um, there's there a lot of organizational and political figures resigning out of the blue. And let me not get started on those Pandora papers. I could literally keep going about all these secrets coming out. Um, you know, but there you have it. That it is what it is. That's what's happening in the news in reality, and that's what is happening mystically. Um, choose your own path. This episode does have actual factual science information in it. I have referenced various historical, secular, and religious documents throughout this episode. And remember, it's October. Have some fun. Sprinkle a little magic in your life. Like, gosh. Oh, my gosh. I keep forgetting about the devil thing. Okay. So, yes, I was called the devil. And it was a male that called me a devil, which I thought was priceless and so in tune with Halloween. It was actually a really long, boring story about why I got called the devil, but I was a little scared, like, oh my God, I got my chakra read before and um, I have a white aura. Um, I can't be the devil. I literally, I am literally have a white aura. I am a fucking angel on earth. And that is how I responded. I felt kind of fucking dumb because like what kind of comeback is that? Homeboy calls me the devil and I say, I'm not the devil. I'm a fucking angel. Like, Jesus Christ. I'm usually way wittier than that. But it did get me thinking about the witch thing again. Because while I was researching um, and in some other spiritual conversations I was having with friends, um, we were talking about different religions and whatnot. And a lot of these friends grew up in like a Western Christian type home. So all this stuff came up um, about the patriarchy. This is going to sound so wild. Okay, we were also watching Cat Williams. So, you know, you know, sometimes I don't know what me and my friends are fucking doing sometimes. Literally, Cat Williams, religion, psilocybin's, marijuana, perfect combo. But anyway, so I firmly believe, honestly, that the catalyst for the patriarchy has to do with men that are intimidated by strong women. And they felt some type of way to the point that structures, um, systemic structures had to be created so that they wouldn't be intimidated. And this was either subconscious or conscious, but they did do it because, I mean, look at the way life is now for women, Um, I just want to say that. Okay, so back to Cat Williams. Um, Religion, the Mandela effect, and psilocybin. Okay, Cat Williams had said something in his comedy special about Adam and Eve. And no one really noticed until one of my friends was like, whoa, did you guys hear what he just said? And then my friend just started Googling on his phone. Uh, We legit paused the video. He tells us what he found. Because, I mean, what else do you do in the middle of the night when you're chilling? Okay, so I'm going to give a rundown and conclusion of the combo because this is like hour long conversation. So in multiple religious texts around the world, it says that before Adam and Eve, Adam had a wife named Lilith and she was made from the earth like Steve. Oh, wait, fuck. (laughs) I mean, Adam. All right. So a lot of different texts I read said that basically she was tired of Adam being stubborn and wanting her to be subservient to him. And she basically refused. One of the best things I read was that she was basically tired of being on the bottom of missionary sex. Like, fuck yes, I fucking feel you, bitch. And well, and I guess that freaked Adam out because he was like, no, missionary sex only. Anyways, so since they are made from the same thing, they were both made from the earth, according to religious documents, it is safe to say that they are equal creatures. So when that happened and he was trying to make 
Lilith submissive, she was like, fuck this shit. That bitch grew wings and flew away. And essentially, you don't hear a lot about her after that. Um, There are multiple mentions of her or variations of her in a lot of religious-based texts. So, and, and in many different cultures. Um, so that really tells me this homegirl was literally a jet-setting queen. Um, can you imagine being able to fly to other countries, etc.? Um, and I honestly feel the bad negative stories about her are also associated with the patriarchy. Just want to say, we all know history is written by winners. Translators can be biased. And we've discovered that based on U.S. American history. So there's that. Anyways... Um, stories about Adam's first wife, Lilith, range from her being a heroine, a seductress, even a murderer. Like, literally the list goes on. But my thought process on this is if Adam and Lilith would have compromised and set boundaries and expectations, it may have helped. I mean, seeing that the divorce rate in 2021, I mean, I really don't know what it is. It's usually about 50%. Compromises are obviously not a priority. I mean, not all relationships can be saved with boundaries, expectations, and compromises, but... You can try. Literally, the beginning of time. <laughs> like, I'm not even going to go there because um, I'm going to sound like a man-eater um, or a man-hater, whatever. But I love men. I love a sexy-ass masculine, masculine energy that just oozes strength, sex, and compassion and respect. Literally, that's the new alpha, the beta, the one that's coming up, you know? Full circle moment right here. Am I really just trying to manifest a male version of myself? Let me get a little bit more specific for this manifestation. Um, Universe, tall, dark, and handsome, effortlessly romantic, plans 75% of our dates and outings, and is, is actively pursuing his goals, is emotionally intelligent, has BDE. If you don't know what that is, that means big dick energy, and makes me feel safe. Oh, and he's a feminist. Um, okay, universe, I will be waiting patiently. Thank you. But anyways, back to my point about bringing up Lilith and my spooky season theory on the patriarchy and witchcraft mystical universe. Lilith is translated into other texts as the first mother, um, a goddess of independence, a sex goddess, also the mother of demons, mother of vampires, mother of witches, and so on. She has such a range. Oh, I love it. Literally, so many different variations and perspectives of her that are good and bad, mostly bad though, which is also fascinating and fits the narrative that you, if you follow your own set of rules, stick up for yourself, understand your self-work, and do not take anyone's shit, as in you hold people accountable for their actions, for crossing your boundaries that you've already set those expectations for, you'll be labeled the devil, Another full circle fucking moment. I'm told you this episode is going to blow your mind. I love spooky season. Anyways, so Lilith, homegirl, she took her power back. She grew wings, forged her own path. And we most, and we all know most witches or villain or villainous females in stories were not always that way. Something happened to them, um, i.e. some type of trauma. I'm not saying that when they became evil, uh, that was a good thing, but you know, there's millions of books about the origins of certain villains and how they came to be, and usually they weren't always evil. I mean, Exhibit A, Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty, she wasn't always evil. Ursula, I think I read somewhere that she was um, actually used to be good, but something happened to her. So most of the time when people call you evil or the devil, what the fuck ever, that can actually trigger some kind of anger in you, right? 
And I remember this thing I read. I think I read it in Sun Tzu's Art of War. It was some type of Chinese proverb type book, text, whatever. And it basically says, he who angers you controls you. So if you're not happy or if something makes you genuinely angry, look inward and reflect on that anger. Sit in that emotion, even also even if it's sadness, all right? So this is a grounding technique that I do when my emotions are just not vibing right. I take a few deep breaths. I think about in that moment, what is making me angry? I t- I'm t- and I'm talking about genuinely angry, not like I'm fucking hungry angry. I mean, and that emotion where you can feel the physical symptoms of anger, right? That festering anger that triggers a fight or flight response in your core, all right? That is the kind of anger I'm talking about. And you got to reflect and answer you know, some questions to understand where that emotion is coming from. This is my grounding technique I'm going to share with you guys. There's other ones. This is the one that works for me. I ask myself, why do I feel this way? Why am I angry? What about this moment is making me angry? Number two, what is the theme of the action that is causing me to react this way? All right. And I try to think of all the different scenarios with that same theme and identify a root cause. I'm going to give an example because it sounds like weird. All right. So some kind of event happens and I'm angry, right? I'm mad or you're mad. You know, your heart starts racing. You get warmer internally, fast breathing. You can feel those physical symptoms when you're angry. You have to learn how to control this. So in order to do that, you got to jump on your soul train, baby because it's going to be a wild ride as you reflect. I ask myself, okay, why do I feel this way? My answer to myself, I am angry because I don't feel respected. Why don't I feel respected? Because I'm not being heard. My feelings aren't being acknowledged or validated by my partner, who I trust and love unconditionally. So when someone doesn't acknowledge your emotions or validate your feeling, it's because they are not understanding your boundaries or expectations, if that makes sense. This is when you do some actual honest reflection with yourself. Does the person I am angry with know my expectations? Does the person understand my boundaries? If you said yes to both of those, then you need to change something ASAP about that situation. Because if you have told your person your expectations, your boundaries, your triggers. They know everything about you and they still can't respect those. You got to do something. You can have a restructuring conversation to try and find compromise. Um, You can leave. You got to do something. You have to get yourself out of that situation because even though angry is a normal emotion, it's not healthy to be in that constant state. Same thing with sadness. It's not healthy to stay in a state of sadness, in a state of anger, because that just festers and it like is a downward spiral. Anyone that's ever been sad, depressed, whatever, or angry, you know what I mean. So now I said that you have to change something, all right? You have to change something about yourself because you can't control the other person. Hello, free will. I've said it a million times. People are going to do what they wanted to do. If he or she wanted to, they would do it. If they wanted to respect your boundaries and your expectations, they would. But they're not. 
So that's when you have to look inward on yourself. Something about you has to change. You have to get that power and control back. And a way to do that is to take control of your emotional reactions. All right. Life One of my friends had said this before, and I've heard this before somewhere else, but I just thought it it just had resonated with me so well. Life is not what happens to you. It's how you react to it. So you have to be able to control these kinds of thoughts and emotions, and you can train your brain to do this. Grounding techniques, like I talked about earlier, earlier, are actually extremely common strategies within the medical field. It aids in behavior modification, easing anxiety, PTSD, and trauma. There are various grounding techniques. The one that I shared with you is mine that works really well with me. Um, I was When I was a teacher, I had children, um, students that had um, to go see a counselor they, where they would learn behavior modification techniques, grounding techniques um, to help them in class to curb anger, to curb, you know, different things. Um, another popular one is the 54321 technique. Google it if you want more info on it, but that's another good one that I hear a lot of people use. And honestly, grounding techniques are just good to incorporate anyway to help with self-awareness and mindfulness in your daily life. But if the answer was no to the boundary and expectation questions earlier, if your partner doesn't know that, your boundaries, expectations, everything, then you need to attempt an emotionally intelligent conversation where everything I just mentioned is discussed. And if compromises need to be made, they can be made. You know, you have to claim your inner Lilith and take back your power and control, manifesting and living and being grateful for your own self-worth and independence. And that can attract every other thing you want in life by taking back your power, no matter how small or big it is. Keep growing on that. Realize that this is your own life and it's up to you to make it a good one. And also people, if you see This is another statistic that I was reading earlier, how every person knows a woman that was either um, abused verbally, emotionally, physically. So everyone has a friend that's been abused, but nobody has a friend that's been an abuser. So I think that statistic alone, or very few people know that their friends are abusers, that, that thing alone should be fucking terrifying. Okay, but back to full circle, the beta male, the new alpha, how the beta male is coming back full force as the new alpha, because they are acknowledging and validating like, whoa, this is happening to my friends that are female, my sisters, my cousins, my aunts, and it's not right. And they're making sure that gap is closing so that they're female counterparts will succeed, you know, anyways. Um, back to my point. Okay. Claim your inner Lilith and take back your power and control. And you know, that could be a variety of different things. It could be setting your boundaries, finding balance with loved ones, putting yourself first, putting your self-worth first, you know, and realizing your full potential to make shit happen. When you take your power back, you become Um, It's almost like a superpower. You're like, damn, I just did that. You realize that you got yourself out of a situation that wasn't making you happy. It wasn't doing anything for you. And you took your power and control back, got yourself out of that situation. 
And you'll realize that you just gave yourself a beautiful gift. And then you have one of those transformational moments um, where you can take control and power over your life. And then you figure out your other gifts. Like your passions come back. Your hobbies come back. The people that genuinely care about you, they show up more. You see them more. And life literally just gets a hundred times better when you focus on your own self. Um, Controlling your thoughts and emotions can also help you heal, like by helping you identifying the underlying theme and root causes of these emotions and feelings. You know, life is a journey and we're constantly moving, learning, experiencing, listening. You know, we're all growing and that's what we should be doing. But when you get stuck in some kind of toxic hold where someone else has control and power over you, you'll feel stagnant. You'll feel like you've hit a plateau in your life. You need to snatch that power back, baby. So you can live your best life, whatever that is, whatever fulfills your mind, heart, and soul, you know, it just, it is what it is. Um, I hope you all liked the Good Mill Spooky Season episode. We literally talked about men, dating, relationship dynamics, family dynamics, science, and the mystical. I'm here for it. Also, I don't don't remember if I mentioned this earlier. I know I usually release episode on Mondays, um, but I'm having so much fun planning all these October spooky episodes and like incorporating the mystical with science and uh, sexual anthropology. I'm just going to keep releasing them as I go. So expect multiple episodes at various times throughout this month. Um, I was actually talking to certain people about this episode, and they brought up the fact that it could be perceived my talk about witches and Lilith can be seen as negative. Well, one, it's fucking Halloween. Two, I don't give a fuck. Three, upon researching more about Lilith for this episode... Honestly, philosophers, scholars, and other historical texts and current texts that state Lilith could actually just be a symbol for Mary Magdalene. In the Bible, she was a sex worker, I believe. But, you know, that's controversial too, depending on what religious text you're reading, you know? And I think there's actually a new TV show where they talk about the life of Jesus and Mary Magdalene. I'll try to find out what it is. Um, But in the show... Uh, Mary Magdalene's name was originally Lilith, I think, like in the first episode before she meets Jesus. But it doesn't end there. So if you know anything about the Freemasons, you already know where I'm going with this. Like, it's fucking wild. Um, But it's been real, this episode, you guys. Have fun with life. Don't take anything too serious. Be conscious of your emotions and any negative emotions Really try to figure out the root cause. Most of the time I've found out when discovering my root causes of my emotions, they've come from my past emotional traumas. I've even found some that come from childhood traumas that I didn't even think were an issue. Um, so yeah, next episode. Oh yeah, next episode. I cannot wait for this one. It's titled, To All the Guys I've Ghosted Before. Oh, I'm so excited. Love spooky season. Bye. You've been listening to the Good Milf Podcast. 
Join us every Monday as Krista talks shit and gives free advice based on firsthand experiences and scientific research. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on all platforms. Visit www.thegoodmilf.com for our latest updates and merch. 